If you couldn't tell, we, we wrapped up Better Days, our series last week. And we said, better days are here. So I thought, Larry, we've actually like talked about that for four or five weeks. We were in First Peter and then Deuteronomy. Um, this week, we're starting a brand new series, and it's called Keep Going. Like, keep going. It basically means what we're in Philippians 3, 7 through 14. You can turn to your Bibles and your digital Bible or traditional Bible. But it's, we're in this season of, like, let's look ahead at what God's doing. And what he's going to do. Like, let's not keep our eyes focused in the rearview mirror in the past. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Larry, how do I, what does God have to say about my past, my, the yesterday, right? Like, what does God have to say? I think our country right now is looking in the rearview mirror on some big issues. And I, I think God says that's good. It's okay to glean from the past. It's okay to say, confirm what was our past. But I believe he's trying to do a new thing. I think he's trying to get our attention for what's ahead. And um, so I, P- Apostle Paul is one of my favorite um, authors in Scripture. And the reason why is, while I'm digging into Philippians 3 this morning, it's because Apostle Paul does a great job of saying, yes, this is my past, and it is so very real, but I have something better now and something better ahead. So let me get us started. Philippians 3, 7 through 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and found in him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that is which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from the God and basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, and this is is kind of our focus today, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward the what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God is calling us like heavenward. Like I love, I even, I, I even talked to somebody this week. I love the fact when we read what Christ had to say when he walked on this earth, literally walking on this earth, he was busy talking about two things, about his father in heaven, trying to let people know who his father was, and then heaven where we would be spending eternity together. And he was driving at all of that until he revealed what himself, who, who he was. God is calling us heavenward. I had a few great conversations this week, and I'll share those in a moment. But I think the one thing that I see in this scripture that Apostle Paul is saying, it's time to get free from our past. It's literally time to get free and let go of the past. And, and he's talking about 
the bad days, the good days, the good stuff, the bad stuff, like it's okay to remember it. It's okay to glean from it. It's okay to acknowledge it. But more so, he's saying, but we have. And those of us who are in the room have said, I'm following Christ. Like, God, you got a hold of me, and you are my Lord. Like, we literally have something incredible and an exciting opportunity, like, with us right in front of us today. We're going to talk more about that. The only time, and I don't know about you, I drove a, I drove, what did you guys drive in high school? I had an 88 Super Sport Monte Carlo, like, blackout. Like, you couldn't even see through the windows. And it was so fast, um, I could beat every Mustang, off, which wasn't that big of an accomplishment, right, if you know cars. I could beat every Mustang off the line, except for the guys that were actually mechanics. And I only got smoked one time. It was by this guy who drove this GMC, um, I think it was a little Tahoe back then or something. I forget what they were called. Um, and it was a sleeper. Like, he had Bondo all over the car. It looked nice. And I was thinking, oh, I got this guy. And I didn't know anything back then. And he just, he was gone before I could leave, leave the line. Completely gone. This dude was watching me from his rear view mirror. And I was like, all right, my car's okay. But it's clearly my mechanic skills need a little bit of touch up. I think that, I think it's okay to look in the rearview mirror sometimes. Like, I think it's okay. I think we have to. That's what it's there for. It's a tool. But, man, what will happen if, if we drive nonstop, if we race on the streets, like, looking into our rearview mirror? Like, it's, it's going to not end well for us. It's, we can't see what's ahead of us at that point. It's okay to glean from the past, but we have to be able to release it and say, God, like, you're there, but you are in the present and then where we're going even more so. Like, you are trying to use me today for something new. You're trying to use our church today for something new. Like, is there a new vision? And maybe we'll be talking about this this next year. Is there something new that you want for us as brothers and sisters to lock arms together? and do in our church, in our home groups maybe, in the community. So many people try living in the past. Apostle Paul, this is where we go back to him. He, if he had stayed living in the past, like he was a model Jewish or Hebrew of Hebrew, he was a model religious leader. Like meaning he, did, he followed the Torah like he did everything right. He had biblical knowledge in Scripture, like more than anybody, I would say. He could go toe-to-toe, Scripture-wise, with how this life was supposed to be lived. Except what? He spent most of his life persecuting, actually, followers of the way. Christians who claimed to be like following this guy who was Jesus, who claimed to be God. He, this was before Paul was Paul. He was actually Saul, and he was a persecutor. But he was a model Christian, he was a, or he was a model religious leader. He was a model Pharisee. He's also what you guys might call a zealot. It's someone who's super spiritual, who had zeal for the Lord, but really for the Lord's laws is what I would say before he knew Christ. So Paul, even in his scripture, and I'll read it again, he gets free from his past because he what? He's honest about where he is. We have to get honest about where we are. And to make this clear, 
Paul counted everything in his past a lost. He was proud. He was righteous. He was a zealous Pharisee. He found himself, this is my favorite story in the Bible, I think. He found himself on on the road to Damascus. And Christ shows up. God gets a hold of him takes him to the ground literally in his pride and his righteousness. Think about this. Think about, a, think about a religious leader, right, in our community or one of us. We're so proud, like I'm following Christ. I'm not a sinner, right? Like it's about my religious, me following my religious rituals. And then God finally just comes and meets you in the middle of Razanov, takes you to the ground and says enough of that. Like, enough of that. Like, I want you to meet my son, Jesus Christ. Like, I want you to follow me and the new thing that I'm doing. That's what happened on the road to Damascus. Paul thought he was doing everything right. But if he was going to be honest about where he was, he did not know what he did not know until Jesus showed up and says, no, I want you. And I've got something new for you. And it's more real maybe than anything you've ever known before. On that road, he met Jesus. He said, Christ said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He's persecuting the Christians, the followers of the way. And Saul immediately says, and this blows me away. He immediately says, who are you, Lord, that I might serve you? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting what would you have me do? And then Paul, Saul actually says, what would you have me do, Lord? This is where Paul started to count the gains of his past, the lost. He knew it immediately. And in this Philippian scripture that we're, that we're reading today, this was 30 years later when he wrote to the Philippian church. And he's looking back and he's gleaning, right? And he's saying, holy cow, if I, if I knew then what I knew now, like my life before Christ, who I was, my past, and then who I am now, I count it all lost. When we encounter the God of the universe, Jesus himself, a true revelation from the Holy Spirit about who you were and who you are now, who God remade you to be, everything you did in the past all seems to to really amount to very little And I don't know about you, but I'm there. Like, I was there when I decided to step out of the corporate world and say, God, like, earnings per share doesn't mean a thing to me anymore. Right? Like, how much my stock gained this last year doesn't mean a thing to me anymore. And it, like, I'm telling you, I'm just speaking from personal experience, it vaporized overnight for me. When we stepped in the ministry and and, and we talked about the, those Christmas bonuses, right, that came every December. And I, t- I told Myra, I said, that's the past. And it is so worth it. Like I tell people all the time, every night you'll, you'll catch me on social media saying things like this. Ministry is the most challenging, most rewarding thing I've ever done. And it's so true. It's week to week. It's day to day, month to month. And those of you, there, I think there's two people, two types of people in this room. Those of you that have said, I'm, I'm all in, I give you my life to Christ, and I'll follow you wherever you go. And then there's those of us in the room that have said, I'm not quite there yet, 
Larry, I believe what you're saying, but I don't know what that means. And that's okay, too. Philippians 3, 7 through 9, let me read it one more time. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, whose sake is I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from the God of the basis of faith. Put it this way, Paul is basically saying a personal relationship with Jesus Christ at the very center of a Christian's life. Like, that's what it's all about. Having a personal relationship with Christ. He joyfully accepted the loss of all other things for the greatness of his personal relationship. So I'll try not to give too many details away. There's a reason why I'm talking about this this morning. It actually happened this week. And it was like, I think, a clear God moment. And I had to share it with a few people already. Um, I'm sitting in a coffee shop, and I'm minding my own business. I think I rewrote the sermon three times this week, if you can believe it. I wrote one sermon on Wednesday. I, I rewrote that sermon on Thursday, right? And then I rewrote it again yesterday because of this moment I'm about to share with you. I had someone ask me, they said, Larry, could you tell me, and we've gotten to know each other, right, over the last year, and they said, Larry, can you tell me what, how to do church? <laughs> could you tell me how to, how, how, you know, what, what's church really all about? Like, how do I do it right? And I thought, gosh, that's an amazing question. What a revealing question. Like, I, I believe in God, is what they said. But I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what y'all are doing in the church when I go. Like, it kind of makes sense to me. But I, re I honestly, and, and they just said, I just don't know. I don't really understand what, what next. And I just was like, I, I tell you what. Those questions out of the blue, is, is they're just an answer to prayer. And I started to count, Lord, how many people have been praying for this to happen, for this one person? And I'm sitting here, and I, I get to be the recipient of these questions. So I'm kind, of, I'm kind of just in awe of what's happening. I was honestly minding my own business, trying to figure out how to write a sermon. And what I, all I could say is, you know, and then you, then you try to figure out, okay, what do I say next? Like, what would you say? And I said, how do I boil down everything that we believe in a simple next step statement, right, that made sense? I said, you know, um, a lot of people think church is religion, like Paul. A lot of people think that church is following rules and getting it right and um, not messing up too much, and, and, the, and, and they talked about that. Yeah, I've messed up so much in my past. Like, I wonder, like, when, when what do I do with that? And I said, it, it really has nothing to do with any of that except to say it's a relationship with Christ. 
Like it's, it's do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not? And that's the starting point. It's saying that, God, I'm, I'm not good enough to be who you want me to be. And this is, I didn't say this part, right? But this is, it's just saying, Christ, you, you're the only way. John 14, 6, like he's, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Anyway, so this conversation got my attention. And I want every single one of us to, to ask themselves this, how many times do I get to have those conversations in our community, right? When's the last time each, each of us in this room has been able to have this conversation? And for some of us, you're natural at this. It's like it's a daily thing, right? And that, those are the evangelists in the room. Like those are the Billy Grahams. If that's you, I want to meet you because I'm not naturally a Billy Graham, Right? For, the, for some of us, that conversation may have never happened with another person. But think about these questions. Like, what is religion? How do I do it? Like, what is church all about? How would you answer that question? Who are we? Like, what do I believe, right? What do I feel confident enough to tell somebody, to share with somebody? Is it about good works? Is it about being a good person? All of those are great questions, but, but even like the thing I want each of us to be able to answer today is, do I have a personal walk with Christ? Have I at some point said, you have control over my life 100%. Am I making church or Christianity clear, or am I making it confusing for others? Here's a better way to say it. Do people see Jesus in me? The people see Jesus in me. And man, that is a tough question, right? Because when I leave these doors, I go back into my normal life. And I'm trying to just get my job done, be, a, be an awesome community leader. Like I'm trying to make great impact in our community. But like it gets a little harder to answer the question, but do they see Jesus in you? Do they see Jesus in me? Here's what I think Paul is trying to tell the Philippians in his letter. He's saying it's time to get free from our past. All the bad that we've done, we're not supposed to dwell there. We're supposed to give that to God. All the good that we've done, this is like more counterintuitive. All the good that we've done, I think that we're supposed to let go of that also. Glean from it, yes. Hang on to it as a trophy to put on my mantle, maybe not. Because I think he's trying to say, guys, that trophy's going to melt. Like, it just is. Like, I want you to be able to say, everything in my past is, is garbage compared to all the good that I've done. Like, all the, all the accolades, like all the monumental wins, but all, maybe all of my failures too, right? Is nothing compared to who Jesus Christ is in my life. And I know some of you are scratching your heads right now, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with looking back to glean or to learn from the past, our wins and our losses. But let's move forward together, not looking back, but looking to Christ. So looking back at this week, let me summarize the week that I had. It was a super dynamic, very busy week. There was reconciliation this week. 
that was reconciliating conversations with people that needed that it needed to happen. There was truth and love, conversations that happened. And you know what's cool when you take time for these conversations is clarity happens. Miscommunications get resolved. And you realize, oh, wait, we actually do agree on all of these things. But somehow something was getting in the way of that agreement, that unity. And what did it take? It it took me slowing down long enough to have a conversation and say, hey, just share with me what's in your heart. Because I guess what? I'm not a mind reader, right? Who's a good mind reader in the room? So we have to share. And it was reconciliation, reconnecting, clarification. I learned this week probably casting vision that our church probably is at a point where we need to say, what's our vision for the future together? We've had a, what I'll say is a year of experimentation, and we're still there. But it's time to put a stake in the ground and say, here's what we believe as leaders of the church. Here's what we believe what we're here for. And I've, I'm calling for a meeting of our, of our leadership team, of the team that hired me as well. And I think maybe of those of you, if you want to be there, to have a leadership conversation in the next few weeks. It's going to be really good. Be praying now like, God, what did you call our church to be? And what is my part in that? And here's maybe a, a, a bigger question for you to help answer, answer in our church. What have you called our church to do in this community during this season and this time? Philippians 3, 12 through 14. We're, we're midway through this. And I know this is a different message. Since we have 10 minutes, so. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained all of this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and a straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. I think he's saying, I'm so thankful I let go of of that religious pride that I used to have. I'm so thankful that I let go of even all the dark days and the sin. Like once he encountered Christ, he knew without a doubt all of that persecution was actually working against the Lord that he said he was serving. He He got a real glimpse of who he truly was. And what's awesome is he submitted to it and said, this is who I am. God is calling me heavenward. He had a second chance. I believe if Paul was standing in front of us today, he would say something like this. God, just love each other. Love Christ and let his love flow through you. It's not complicated. Just love each other. Let's love one another. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says it this way, talking about love. It says it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. When God gets a hold of you, when, when God, when Christ takes you to the mat and says, okay, enough of that, 
Like, I want all of you, and I have plans for you. Like, you, now I want you to walk with me. Right here in our Kodiak community, right? Like, I want you to be loving. I want you to be steadfast. I want you to have my word in your heart, which is why I love these home groups. Because we get to actually encourage and hold each other accountable and sharpen each other, right, and chisel one another. And I'll say this, it's kind of an encouragement and a warning. If you haven't had that moment where God has taken you to the ground and gotten your attention yet, like I'd say just, just open yourself up a little bit and say, I, God, you have my attention. Please, please don't, you don't have to take me down to get my attention. Like I'm here, I give myself to you. But if you don't, that's okay. I believe he'll take you down and he'll get your attention and he'll give you an option then too. I think he wants to use us, guys. I think he wants to use all of us. Let me summarize in this and I'll welcome Anderson and Meredith back up here. So what's the goal? What's Paul trying to say all the way through the passage? The goal is maturity in Christ. The goal is saying I submit to you. As Paul approaches the prize, he writes in 2 Timothy 4, the time has come for my departure. He's leaving now. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to the, all those who have longed for his appearing who longing for Christ's appearing. Like I'm there. I'll tell you, I've, I've been there for such a long time, and it's a little strange. It feels like a sci-fi. A way to live this life is in a sci-fi. It's just like, Jesus, I am waiting for him to come back. Like I know that day I stand before Christ and, and give an account for the way I've lived my life. Those I've shared with, like this week, those maybe that I haven't shared with, I'll get to see those too. But then it's okay. Like it, he says, I love you. Thank you for letting me use you. More than anything, you gave your life to me. And you are my church. That's all he's calling us to be. It's really simple. He says, you are my church. Like just give me all of your life. Let me pray for us and wrap this up. Father, I thank you for the opportunity this week to be able to share and answer questions about what your church really is. That it's brothers and sisters holding each other accountable in, in your word. But Father, that it's, it's just sharing the relationship we have with your son. Let it be real. Father, just pour through us, confirm through each man and woman that's hearing this this week. You love them. Let them know in their, where they are in their walk with you. And give each of us the opportunity to share the hope that we have. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to be your church. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.